Pulls up the three. Boom! Knocks it down. Curry from the corner at three. Puts it in. For overtime. Makes it. Garrett. For me, Mark Woods, welcome as ever to the MVP cast. Thank you so much for listening. A shameless plug up front for our newsletter, The Post Up, full of exclusive news, interviews, insight, direct your email inbox. There's a new edition coming this week. If you want to subscribe, head to mvp247.com, click on the newsletter page, and get it direct into your inbox. How very convenient. Now, our guest is one of the best homegrown guards in the WBBL who's ridden the ups and downs to excel in the game and She's fresh off a transfer. Yes, a big money transfer. Well, it's WBB, a lot of big money transfer. But anyway, a transfer that's taken her the short distance from Newcastle to Durham. Abby Lowe, welcome to the MVP cast. Thank you. Happy uh, to be here. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. Um, let, let's talk about the big fat elephant in the room to start with. Why the move, the short move from Durham or to Durham from Newcastle? Um, most and the main reason was because I wanted to play somewhere where I was happy and I had a really, really good year last year at Newcastle. Um, I really loved the club, but this year it was a different team. Um, the coach seemed to change a little bit and he just didn't seem to fit my style of play in his team anymore. I, my minutes were going down and I wasn't really sure why. Um, so it felt like the time to move. Obviously, it's a convenient move because it's not that far to, to go to Durham. Was it a great start <laughs> in your your first game as well? Is that transition being pretty instantaneous? I mean, yeah, it it happened. I was looking for somewhere else to go after speaking to a few um, different coaches and friends across the league. So I was looking over Christmas and um, Lee Davy is at Durham um, and I reached out to him and it was pr- a pretty easy move considering it's only a 30 minute drive away from where I'm living at the moment. And you've got a job at, at the university as well to, to throw into this package, which is pretty cool. I have. I just got accepted into it yesterday, actually. Um, so I'm going to be doing, helping out with the social media and marketing for the sports teams across the university, uh, which I'm really, really excited about because I love meeting and talking to different athletes. So it should be fun. What's your GIF and meme game like? It is currently taking courses on how to do it, to be completely honest. <laughs> <laughs> radical induction in photoshop and adobe and all that sort of thing so um yeah we look forward to this you know comedy that's what we need comedy gold yes definitely so let's take you back a bit um i i was looking through the your career resume you know back before barking Abbey and back before you know college through the the, the always excellent dave owen database and you see the, these these two strange seasons at, at clubs abroad in France when you were, were 14 and 15. Now, I know you're a, a native French speaker, a pretty native. Explain the background. How, does, how do you end up playing junior league in, in French basketball? Um, well, I was living there, so that helped. <laughs> um, basically, when I was about four years old, um, my parents were just, they were from Manchester and they were just sick of the traffic, sick of the weather and they kind of just up and moved. Um, my dad's opened a business out there and they've been living out there ever since really. Um, they're still there now. And, and where in France and, and, and what was it like having this, I mean you're quite young, but what's it like having this radical shift? Um, well, we moved to the southwest of France, which is absolutely gorgeous. There's a lot of expat Brits that go and retire there. Um, and I was four years old, so for me, 
the transition was actually really easy. I don't really remember learning French. I just remember my parents saying that I'd come back from school one day singing these songs in French and they had no clue what I was on about. <laughs> I mean, it sounds ridiculously idyllic. It was pretty great. Um, I mean, they, especially the way that I got into basketball in France was pretty awesome. They were always encouraging kids to get into different sports and activities after school. Uh, and basketball in France is obviously um, quite a bit bigger than in the UK and quite a bit more popular. Um, so starting out, even like in my little town area, there was like three, four teams. So it was quite easy to get into it. What do I mean? I mean, give us a flavour of that. I mean, I know that my son's just started basketball and you know he's possibly an exception at you know, the age here it's you know we're lucky we've got a club near us you know for you was it was it as we imagine you know, that you know basketball's everywhere it's a very natural thing to when when young abby lose growing up to go yeah i'm gonna play that um so we had a sports day at school which is how i originally started but um the memories i've got from my basketball club we were a really really small village uh, and we did quite well for the club that we had but the memories that I have are all so good I remember them being from under fours to under 19s to seniors like age groups girls and boys across the club not necessarily the most amazing level but there was definitely an age group across the club and I just remember big Saturday weekends like big barbecues all the families were there everyone was there it was a massive sports day I just have really really good memories from it I think it'd be really amazing if the UK could push more towards that like environments, like family oriented club side of it. Even with your parents and lots of expats, do you grow up feeling more British, more French, a curious hybrid? I still struggle to answer. When people ask me where I'm from to this day, I still I can't really answer. Because I lived obviously in London for two years. This is my second year back since I've been to America. So I've not spent that much time in England. Um, but obviously at home, we always spoke English and I've got I've got mostly English friends now, although I've got still have some connections in France. It's a really tough answer. But when it comes to like food and culture, I'd, I'd say probably more French, but I'm not sure. I mean, usually we acquire the accent of our schoolmates at some point. Yeah, you sound like, to the untrained ear, still straight out of Stockport. So has yeah. the come and gone, especially you know, going to the States as well, which usually knocks things off. I mean, how do you end up with the accent that you would have ended up if you'd never left? Oh, well, you ask all my friends this and they tell me that I change accents every five seconds. When I went to California, I sounded ridiculously American. It was absolutely horrendous. I got bullied for it for a long time. <laughs> but in France, people always ask me if I don't have a French accent. When I learned French, I only spoke French, French, um, French in France, obviously. But when I spoke English, I always spoke English with like my family and like Stockport accents. So it, I would never really pick up a French accent from French people because they were never speaking English to me, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And then I guess when you, you go back now, it must, you know, that must still feel like, like home when you have a with your family is. What was that, sorry? So when you go back now, the site of France must still feel like home, though. Oh, 100%. I went home for... I managed to sneak back in for Christmas, cause even though they closed the borders, which was quite nice. Um, <laughs> and it is. It is just home. It's They live in the middle of the country as well, in the countryside as well. So it's always very relaxing when I go home, because obviously here I live in a city. Which begs the question, why on earth did you come back here? Because I wanted to move out of the countryside. <laughs> and that takes you to Barking Abbey. Um, was that quite a contrast? I mean, you're 
London, French countryside, yeah, quite two polar opposites. Definitely. I mean, I've always, I've always looked like wanted to travel, and I've always wanted to experience new things. And I was always someone that would want to take on adventure. And I think at 16, I thought I was a bit older than I was, and I thought I was a bit cocky. And when I got offered to come to London, it was, seemed like a glowing experience coming from a tiny little village in France. So I couldn't really say no. Um, obviously, it was a massive shock, and I didn't really know what I was ready for. But I still don't regret it to this day. It was an amazing, it was a really good choice. What was the biggest transition? I mean, what you say about the shock? What, what, what knocked the senses the most? Oh, I was completely clueless. I was I didn't know to look left and right when crossing the road. Like I really didn't grow up in a city. Um, the culture and the diversity in London was completely new to me coming from a small town. Um, just so many things. It just opened my eyes to so much new information. I think I was probably a bit overwhelmed the first year, to be honest. How did your basketball stack up? Because, you know, we're always so impressed with the French teams and the French juniors and everyone that comes through that system, you arrive back here, plunked into the, the best place probably in the British system. How do you measure up? Well, coming, it was, it was, it was a strange one because coming in, I just, I just did regionals in France. I just practiced with the regional team and the small club that I was at in France had just got to a national level. We had like three, four girls at the time that we randomly got quite good uh, and we managed to get to national level. So we had been competing at quite a high level and then I'd just done under 15 England camp so coming into Barking I was definitely one of um, the kids that Mark needed to like train and make a bit more logical faster but I think athletically I was able to keep up which helped me. Did you always get when you say about England camp was that always on the radar to come play back here rather than try and push through the French system? Definitely. I mean, I like, I mean, I, I, I actually prefer England to France. I like the community, I like the people. Um, and the basketball community in England is really nice. Um, everybody knows each other and it's all just, it's all a lot of fun. Um, Going into GB, when you play GB under 16, 18 to 20s, um, evaluate how has that contributed or how did it contribute to you as a player? I mean, it's an absolute honour to play for England and one of my favourite parts of that has always been the European tournaments, going to a new country with a bunch of, with a group of girls, um, like the experience to play against other players. Often the players that I look back when we were under 16s or under 18s have like most, a lot of them gone to a college in America and some do really well now and it's like quite impressive to look back and think, oh, I've played against that girl, it's on point. Um so yeah it's it's that experience for me and just it's it's i mean i was it's very i was very proud to like be able to say that i played um, for my country and wear that jersey so yeah i guess it must be quite exciting though when you go to european championships and you you get a silver medal at that age oh yeah it's incredible it was just it's i mean my favorite thing to do is win so uh, I think my favourite memory is probably under 60s when we got promoted to Division A because that group of girls, a lot of them I was at Barking with and um, I just remember that summer being really, really fun. Did you at that point, when you came back, w- was it partly done with basketball in mind in terms of, you know, I don't know, going to college or in the States or you know, make, making it in pro basketball in some form or, or, or other? I mean, I never thought pro. For some reason, since I was a kid, I've always want, I've always dreamed about going to California and I wanted to live in California. <laughs> Probably has to play in social media. 
Um, but I just remember when I moved to Barking, Mark said, what we do here is try and get kids scholarships to, to America. Um, so when I got, I heard back from San Diego State, I was just over the moon. He was like, don't sign while you're there. And it took me a lot not to. <laughs> I mean, you say the California attraction, I mean, you, what had you seen with, you know, was, was it watching clips of Baywatch online or you know, what was the attract, <laughs> you know, attraction there? What stood out? I just think of the glamour of it, the sun all the time, the beach. Um, I think that's probably what drew me, which is probably what you should not base any decisions off choosing a college off, to be completely honest. But um, I think that when I was younger, that's definitely what drew me in. I mean, when you when you were looking at colleges, was, was anywhere that was not Californian immediately kicked to the curb? No, I really wanted the, the the things that I really wanted to do was get into like a brown um, a brown school or an Ivy League school because I was quite high on academic like I was quite big with my academics at the time, um, but that didn't work out for me. So um, San Diego's there was like San Diego or Denver I think, and they were told me that it snowed like four months a year in Denver. So I was like, no, I don't want to go there. I've been in Denver in midwinter. It's it's a beautiful place, but no, I think <laughs> I would take California every day. Exactly. But you had you had this beautiful vision of of the states, and you know, the, the, yeah, we see it, the perfect vision of you know of the beaches and the sun and everything about that. But for you, the reality, how does that stack up? Um, so, my university experience in America was absolutely incredible when it comes to academics and the people that I've met and the organizations that I joined in the university that side of things was absolutely amazing and I do not regret one single bet when it comes to the basketball side I don't think I personally did enough research um, got to understand the coach enough uh, and what they were actually looking for and really fully understood how much of your time and how much dedication and and work it actually is um because it's it, it's an incredibly big shift like I thought I worked out quite a lot at Barking but then you move to like the university college level and it's it's just it's through the, like this it's not even comparable um so I I, I did go I think I did go in a bit blindsided. I definitely got sold something by the coach that wasn't the case. I've never met someone that is so capable of saying one thing and meaning something else in my life. Like a lot of few of my friends met her and they're like, yeah, she seems like the loveliest, sweetest person. And then when I'd say some of the things that have happened, they'd be like, oh, I, I can't actually believe that's true. So that it was an interesting one. Um, just the way that they treat players so I was by no means a starting five player um I didn't I didn't play at all and the player there was me and a couple of the girls on the team that just did not play at all and there was nothing that we could do that was right um and looking back it was it was borderline like a bit it was it was a bit much really how how far they went into saying that what we were doing was wrong and how everything was wrong because I think at 18 or 19 when I was there there's only so much you can take of someone telling you that everything you do all the time is wrong before you hit a breaking point um it, it strikes me probably I'd ask you about the effects of that but it's we've had people on the podcast before who have said something very similar 
And it strikes me that to go there and not know that when you come through the system seems inexcusable in terms of being prepared and educated and briefed, etc. I mean, are you sort of just one more person who kind of can stand back and say, we need to be better at that in this country? I think, yes, definitely. I've spoken to a few girls that have had bad experiences in America. And I think it's it's quite easy to think, oh, a scholarship to university in America is incredible, just from that headline um, and having a bit of a breakdown of what it actually is, things that you should do to prepare to actually go, um, information that you should really focus on before going. And I have heard of, um, I, I don't, I'm not 100% sure who's running it or what exactly they're doing, but I have heard of uh, Basketball England doing, like, gathering some sort of information mm. Uh, and talking about some sort of mentorship program just to help players that do want to go. Uh, I'm not sure how far along that's come, but I think that it would be a really good idea. Yeah, definitely, definitely overdue. When you're in that situation, what's the toll on your mental health? Um, I mean, mine completely spiralled, to, to be honest. Where I went wrong is I didn't really reach out and talk to anyone. I didn't feel like I could, in the sense that I was speaking to my parents, obviously, but they don't they couldn't really understand what was going on because it's it's a completely different world and to explain what like the dynamics and things like that they didn't really i feel like they didn't understand and other than um, a couple of the friends that were in america with me at the time who were also going through it um i didn't really feel like anyone would understand me when i was explaining what i was going through i was also quite like i mean i was 18 i, I might not have been the most mature 18 year old at the time um, so just dealing with it and knowing who to talk to at the university that would help. Uh, my person that actually really helped me out was the um, was the physio. Um, she she I was I started having panic attacks in practice and I was I was crying before I had to go. Like I was waking up crying because I didn't want to go to practice and it just kind of got worse and worse and worse. And the um, the healthcare system there didn't really help. Um, they were just sort of like, oh, she's fine. Like, take these, um, they were like tablets at the time. They were supposed to calm down panic attacks. But I'd take them after a panic. Like, it just, it was, I'd, I needed to be in sort of like therapy and like speak through that I was okay and that it was normal to feel like this and that it's okay to feel like things aren't okay sometimes. Um, so that definitely took me a, a year or so to sort of get through and get past. And I had to, end, I ended up, having to graduate a year early just because I couldn't handle the being in the basketball environment anymore you would you would think in an ideal world and we know it's not an ideal world because college basketball is a business and people are about wins and losses and etc etc but you would you would think that a coach or a coaching staff as teachers and mentors especially someone who's far from home would be would be there front and center to help you through that you would think that, yes. Uh, um, it's, I mean, it's the NCAA. Their rules are quite intense. There's the, the, a lot. I'm not going to say I was the worst on too. There's lots of girls I've heard that have had far worse situations. Maybe I was softer than some others. Maybe I couldn't deal with it as much. But I definitely think that there should be more in place to support because America is normally quite good with mental health and the university itself when I finally figured out who I needed to reach out to and when I found on campus that there was actually resources for mental health and 
But it was also me on my end. I didn't want to speak up about it. So they couldn't really help me because for a long, long time, I didn't speak up about the fact that I wasn't okay. I was trying to keep it together. And I think that's what, when it got worse. What got you out of it? conversation with a friend conversation with a friend who was going through the exact same thing um so yeah I spoke with her and I finally I went to I I reached out to the campus mental health situation I started speaking to a therapist there and I just I sat down with my coach and finally and my, my coach and my physio who I remember said that she'd help me through the conversation and we sort of came up with a plan for me to for me to get better get my head back straight and um in the end, the coach did want me to finish my degree and she, she did vouch for me and she did say, I, I do wish she'd have come to me about it sooner. Um, although I think looking back, it was pretty obvious, but I guess I didn't speak up. How does that kind of change you as a person? Because these, these things are like, particularly when you're growing up, particularly as a young adult, kind of can shape you. I mean, now you kind of come out at the other end of it. You know, how does that shift you as, you as, as the individual? Um, you know, I feel like I've come out of the other end a bit stronger, really, because I'm a lot more aware of my I'm a lot more aware of my emotions now. I'm a lot more aware of what I need to do to keep myself well. Uh, I've learned a lot of things about how it's one thing you've got to take care of your body, but you've got to take care of your head as well. Uh, and that's huge for me. Uh, and I still work on it today. And it's still things that sometimes I get triggered by. And um, but being a lot more aware of it is definitely um, very helpful. In the midst of all this, part is the, re- the relationship with basketball, the thing that you've gone to the States for and the thing you've grown up playing. How does that relationship evolve or shift? Well, that's where I thought it was a bit of a shame because for a while, I blamed basketball for the way that I was feeling. Uh, when in reality, it wasn't basketball. It was the environment that I was in. Um, so... After I graduated that third year, I did something that you call an OPT, which was um, where after you graduate in in the States, you can apply for a visa to work for a year um, as long as it's related um, to your your degree, as long as the job's related Mm. to your degree. So I did that for a year um, and I was really happy. I was living my little dream life in California that I'd been hoping for the whole time. (laughs) And then that kind of hit an end when COVID hit and then I my visa obviously run out and you can't just stay there. Um, but there was something missing and I wasn't sure what it was. I couldn't really believe that it was basketball because I had such a negative idea of it in my head. Um, but I did feel like something was missing. So over the summer, I'd spoken to a few different coaches and they were like, well, since COVID's hitting, England's actually going to be running basketball this year. Uh, why don't you well you're not sure what to do why don't you come back and get a master's uh, for the year and um, go from there because were you stuck in America for a period of time effectively um I mean I wasn't complaining about it but (laughs) (laughs) I'm not saying you were (laughs) but I guess you would you be one of those people that just couldn't get out for a bit no my parents were quite concerned they wanted me back I think um, at the time my parents were very very concerned about about covid and what was going on and that they really wanted me back in the country so i i was one of the people that managed to get one of the flights before they shut the borders down and with your period of time in the states um what were you doing and was that the living the dream moment 
Oh, I was loving it. I was in sales. I've got, I've sort of got the gift of gab and I was British at the time and they just thought that everything I said was right. Um, so it was going really well for me. <laughs> <laughs> when you, when you, I mean, you try to sort of, I guess, repair that relationship with basketball. How do you go about that? Um, well, when I started back up, I wanted to be in a club where I knew I knew the environment. I wanted to move back up to the north of England because I've got some some family and quite a few friends here still. Um, I wanted to be in an environment that I knew was comfortable and the way that Chris described it was we practice twice a week, it's always a good time and it's not too serious. And I thought that is the perfect back in, like intro back into the sport because... I think if I had to come back into five trainings a week or whatever, I was scared that I'd be overwhelmed or not want to do it anymore. Um, but if anything, the fact that we only practice twice a week made me hungry to want to practice more. And I was, it, it got to a point now where it's like, no, I want to practice every day. Like I, I love this sport. It was definitely just the environment. So my, my, my mindset on it's definitely shifted. With, with actually picking things up, because you know, there's, there's, playing rec ball or hooping around or whatever outside which you know it's much easier in california than here but and then there's actually playing games how long did it take you to get back up to the you know to get the game legs back to where they used to be um well when that year that i took off i i was still i'd play pickup with my friends sometimes but i was still running quite a lot and lifting quite a lot because i just i've got a bit too much energy anyway so i need to get rid of it somewhere and i was boxing so i wasn't exactly out of shape it was just getting back into basketball shape that was a bit tough but pre-season sorted us out you must miss california in the winter time i do a lot <laughs> <laughs> We all miss California in the wintertime, even if we've never lived in California. Exactly. Um, I mean, coming back here, I mean, last season, I mean, you, Eagles and the dream run, the playoff final, all the upsets. Um, talk us through that. What was that like to be a part of? Oh, it was amazing. I was, like I said, I came back thinking I was just going to play a little bit, maybe mess around sometimes, like, and quite enjoy like, I, I didn't think that we were necessarily going to be part of a winning team. Um, but as season went on, like, my competitive side kicked in. We lost a few players, which forced me to have to sort of step up and play more. Um, and I was playing with Ali Gorel, who is... I, I can't say enough good things about her. She's She was really helped. She's actually a sports, psychi a sports psychiatrist, psychologist. Sorry. Um, she did wonders helping me get over my college experience and just being an all-round positive person to have around. She's a great team leader. So playing next to her and alongside her was a major factor to how that season went so well. Yeah, Jordan and Claire really much missed in the, the WBBL this year. Um, oh, definitely. End of season though, you, you you talk about liking to travel. You're getting a waltz around Europe playing three on three. Oh, tell me about it. It was a dream come true. What what's I mean? You played you know, the ball out tour and then GB under twenty threes and the the FIBA Nations League. Um, most of us don't really get to see this. Talk us through what the what the sort of structure has been like. I was I was so happy. I was so happy. I mean, it was COVID would hit. So still, and restrictions were really harsh, so traveling was difficult. So when I found out that 
And I'd actually watched a few three-on-three games, but I didn't know that much about it. I always thought it was quite a fun sport, but I'd never really heard of it before. So when I got a message saying, would you like to come? I was like, yeah, of course. But I didn't really know what I was getting myself into. And after like one practice session, I just I loved it. I absolutely love it. How do you find that adjustment? Because you know, some of us look at it. I mean, I've played a little bit of it and obviously as rubbish as I am at five on five. But you know, it's a different kind of skill set. What's what's the adjustment or what, what did you pick up that you go, right, I need to tweak this, I need to do this differently? What's what's the secret? It was staying focused for 10 minutes straight. Because, I mean, you're supposed to do that in five-on-five five basketball anyway, but I've got a tendency to be a bit ditzy and sometimes, like, slip out on a play and just forget <laughs> to do something. Sometimes, like, it has happened. I'm just, but with three-on-three, three, you really can't because it's 10 minutes. So that's it that's all you get so if you slip up for 30 seconds of that 10 minutes that's actually a very very big portion of the game um so staying locked in and staying focused and concentrated i think it really helped me with that you looked at the competition particularly in tel aviv for the 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 fever competition i mean we've been incredibly negligent in developing three on three in this country particularly now that as of tokyo last year it's an olympic sport and you you get a look at what everyone else has got how did, what's the potential? How do we stack up? I was quite pleasantly surprised with how we managed to do considering the preparation. And I, it was all quite rushed, unfortunately, and I think the budget was a bit low. But the coaching staff and everyone involved, we really did as much as possibly as they possibly could to get us prepared and to, to have us ready. Um, where we, we lost games, it just showed that these other teams had obviously been playing together for so for so long like when you look at France they just know where they're going to be they know they passed the ball before the girls even moved like watching them play was exhilarating like it was really really impressive um and we did get better as the tournament went on I think we just needed a bit more preparation what do you learn from it that you take back into five on five um stay focused stay I think staying consistent and three on three grew my confidence with five on five quite a bit because you're put in a situation where five on five, if you really want to, you can sort of hide in the corner and not step up. Whereas three on three, you have to do something. You can't, there's no hiding. There's no, it's it's three people on the floor. So you, you have to perform and do you, your best and take like take up the challenge sort of thing. There's a, there's a small, tiny three on three competition in Birmingham this summer called um, <laughs> Games. Is that of interest? uh i mean yes it would be incredible there's um there's a few girls that so i went to paris last year with the senior with the senior team and i just i was sort of the covid backup if anyone (laughs) were to get covid but i had the absolute time of my life cheering them on Uh, it was an amazing tournament it was really well set up so there's a, a few girls that are older than me faster than me um that are in that lineup but I mean, I'm going to go to camp and do my best because I'd absolutely love to be taken on that team. Do you think that's something, I mean, it mean, sounds like such a positive experience. Do you think, I mean, you know, there's always been a struggle of what what's laid on in the summers or what does basketball look like in the summers in this country? I mean, it sounds like we, we might find the answer here. I really like the way that Ball Out arranged tournaments last year was absolutely incredible. It was the first time that I've seen something like that in England. Like the one they did in Finsbury Park. Was it Finsbury Park? I think so. Or Hyde Park. I'm not sure. But the one that they did over London, the final, the event they threw was so good. It was, I've never seen so many like people showing up to a park to play basketball in England. It was 
it was really fun to see and everyone was having a really good time. So I think that's only going to build and grow because the, the message really spread last year. You mentioned California running a lot. Um, you did a half marathon last year. That's a <laughs> lot, a lot different to running up and down a court for 40 minutes. <laughs> yeah, it was very different. Um, I wasn't supposed to do it originally. I just, I, I'd signed up. At, um, uh, one of my mates told me that he wanted to um, get in shape and he needed to set goals for that to happen. And I was like, yeah, go on. That sounds like a great idea. Sign me up. Um, I'll do it. And then it was running around similar times as three on three. Um, so I was a bit worried that I didn't want to run a half marathon a week before basketball camp. Um, but my competitive side kicked in and I sort of have to do it. And I also, I lost my um, auntie uh, about April of last year um, and the hospice that took care of her did an incredible job um, and I wanted to raise money for that. So I set up the GoFundMe so I had no excuse to not do the marathon and found myself running it. It was, it was a really, really fun experience. I think the race itself is a lot easier than training for it. Dare we ask, what was the finishing time? Oh, no. I'm not 100% sure. I can't remember. I think it was... Was it two hours? Two hours I think is it was good. Two hours. Yeah, something to build on for the future. Next, next I think next, so. Next career. <laughs> I don't know. If, it's a bit hard on the knees, but I definitely want to do a marathon before... Um, at some point. Yeah, do it before the knees go. Definitely. Yeah, do it before the knees go. <laughs> um Last couple of things before we let you go. Um, obviously, you moved to Durham, um, heading into a new year. What's the uh, what's the target? What's the expectations there? Going into Durham, well, there. Well, when I went there, obviously they were at the bottom of the table, and I don't think that they really like the team that we have. I don't think they really deserve that. I think they had a few tough runs because um, the girls themselves are really talented. They just need a bit of, I think, a bit of confidence and a bit of fire with them. Uh, so I. I'm really hoping we can get to the playoffs, to be honest. I mean, and, and because the bottom of the table is so sort of tight at the minute, you know, with teams on your two wins, one win, three wins, that yeah, it must feel actually, you know, you're coming at the right time here because, you know, a couple of wins in a row and, you know, you're, you're almost at the top half of the table. And that's the thing, like, there's like sort of the top three, the mid five section and then the bottom six. And I think all those sections are quite interchangeable. So, um, so we'll see. But I think it's definitely doable. With with the league, I mean, there's been a lot of games, of course, particularly pre, pre-Christmas pre being lost because of COVID call-offs. I mean, do you have any kind of worries as a player that you're going to end up with, you know, this massive fixture log jam heading into the second half of the season or probably down the final third of the season that, you know, might test a lot of clubs? I mean, it might do. This just, I, I think you can't control COVID. I'm tired of hearing about it. You can't control that. So if I've got to play two, three games in a week, I've got to play two, three games in a week. There's not much I can do about it. And you, you'll be ready for it. Yeah, they just, uh, that's, that's what it's, that's all, all that fitness, all that marathon training will, will set you up perfectly for it. Um, Definitely ready for let, it. Let's finish <laughs> with our, our new slot, our new big three questions, a philosophical question to finish. Let's hit you with them. Um, if you could trade places with anyone for a day, who would you trade places with? Ooh. People are going to hate me for answering this, but Paris Hilton. Do you know what? I met Paris Hilton once. And really? She had a she's a lot cooler and, than she sounds, isn't she? Well, not on my case, because she was standing oh, beside me. It was the All-Star Game in LA, 2004. 
She's standing beside me. I don't know it's Paris Hilton. She's got her handbag. Suddenly her, the little stuffed toy in her handbag moves. I, sh I don't want to say shriek, but I certainly went, whoa, what, what on earth is that? And she glared at me because I might have upset her dog, which was in her handbag. And I wasn't expecting How dare it to you upset so her dog? I, my claim to fame is that I've been sneered at at close range by Paris Hilton. There you go. True story. Um, second one. If you visit anywhere in the world post-COVID when we can all go to places, where would you go? Um, I would even go to Japan. Highly recommended. Third one, last one. If you had the superpower to change one thing, what power would you ask for and what would you do with it? Oh, teletransportation. Yeah, definitely. Because if I could just teletransport back to France and see my little baby nephew on the weekend, that would be the best thing ever. So definitely that one. Or you could go to Japan. No. Or I could go to Japan. And I could go back COVID. to California when I'm cold. <laughs> see, you've got this sorted. Um, <laughs> Abby, thank you so much for, for joining us, being incredibly candid. Um, best of luck for the rest of the season in, in Durham and the new job. Thank you so much, Mark. Thank you so much for that. That is it for this edition of the MVP cast. You can also get our previous edition, first one of 2022 with Joe Hart or our fascinating one from pre-Christmas with Shane Walker. If you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast via your preferred provider or you can ask Alexa or Google to play MVP cast. It's that simple. Or if you want to reach out to me, get me on Twitter at Mark Ripple. Another edition coming very soon. But for me, Mark Woods, thank you so much for listening. And it's goodbye. Bye.